0: And welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on the 27th of April. Brought to you by Worcester News and the Equipment for the Blind, with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Phil. I'm afraid Pippa can't be with us today. So this week, the team comprises of Catherine. Hello. And Jane. Hello. John Plush is our recording engineer. Uh, Carol Hartle will look after copying and admin. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope that you enjoy our recording. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on locally, followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news, some sports, and then finishing up with a thought for the week. We'll include sunrise and sunset times and, of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, and we do hope that you would, please do get in touch and we can add it to our file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR51DA. So, let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Jane is going to read out for us.
1: Talking Newspapers, Colin Chance House, 01905 767 766. Listeners should be aware this is not manned daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police, non-emergency, 101. NHS Direct, 111. Out of hours, medical assistance, 0300 123 3211 between 6 and 8pm. 8 Crime stoppers, 0800 555 111. Worcester Hub, 01905 765 Worcester County Council, here to help. 01905 768053, option 3. Community Risk Team Fire Safety, 0800 032 Domestic Abuse Helpline, 0800 980 One, sorry, o eight hundred nine eight o three 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 one. Sense Adventures, walking for visually impaired, D Jones, o one six eight four, eight nine one two nine seven, or o seven nine two o one four four six one four. www dot. Sense Adventures, all one word. Dot co. Dot uk. Samaritans one one six one two three. Worcester Live 611427 Morven Theatres o one six eight four eight nine two two seven seven. Worcester Wheels for Transport o one nine o five. 450 654, 6, 4. 8 am till four thirty pm. Link Nurseries at Powick have a session for visually impaired on Friday mornings. Telephone 01905 831 881 for more information.
0: Thank you, James. Now then, while we're in information mode, let's have a look at what's on locally. And there seems to be quite a bit at the moment, which is nice. So I hope you find something that takes your fancy. We'll start with the Swan Theatre. On the 29th, which is Saturday, so fairly soon, there's a show called Absolute Reggae. It's described as high energy. And the cast will cover music by Bob Marley, Aswad and UB40, amongst others. On the 30th, Mozart's Marriage of Figaro from the Royal Opera. Now, that's a screening of a live production, not actually a live production. On May the 4th, intriguingly, we see the appearance of Betty Legs Diamond. Now, I don't know Betty Legs Diamond, but the blurb says that she is, or possibly he is, UK's leading female impersonator, quote, "...supercharged and outstanding choreography." Malvern Theatre, Until Saturday, Steinbeck's Mice and Men, as a play, I think he might have written it as a play, I'm looking at Catherine, Uh, yes, it was a novel, but it's quite a short novel, so it should make a very good play, it's a super book, and then going back to Malvern Theatre, 2nd to the 6th of May, Steel Magnolias, which is a play of the film, and it's described as witty, warm and uplifting. On the 4th of May at Malvern, Johannes Radaby and the cast of dancers and singers giving us some South African rhythms. There's a performance of Brahms' Requiem on the 29th of April in the Cathedral at 7.30. There's Bez in Conversation at 7.30 at Huntingdon Hall. Now, Bez was a member of the Happy Mondays, so I don't know quite what I would expect there, but I have seen him on the telly and he can be quite engaging. And on the 5th of May at Huntingdon Hall, Dean Friedman. And that starts at 7:30. Okay, I'm going to ask Catherine now to read the main headlines for the week.
2: Right. <clears throat> the headlines are as follows: On Friday the 21st, a bolt out of the blue. Caravan park residents left flabbergasted. On Saturday, the headline was Grace Still Flying High. Photo of little girl found hidden on a plane. Monday the twenty headline was "Karma dismay as controversial flats project approved. On Tuesday, the headline was "Children are only playing," outrage over aggressive police letter. Wednesday's headline was "Concerns over queue jumpers," residents fear tip incident. And on Thursday, that's today, the headline is, It's a mystery, entertainers panic
0: as music shop closes. Catherine, so let's start with last Friday's headline, which was Bolt Out of the Blue. Shock as caravan residents told to leave park. Devastated caravan owners were shocked to get a letter, quote, out of the blue, giving them their marching orders from their beloved city caravan park. Flabbergasted residents at the Ketch Caravan Park off Bath Road in Worcester have been sent letters by Tremlow Limited, telling them to leave and remove their holiday homes by October the 31st this year. The Worcester News has been told by residents that there are about 60 caravans on the site overlooking the River Severn including statics and touring caravans. We understand residents received the letters which they say came out of the blue on Tuesday and many are still weighing up their options. Others have yet to open their letters. Peter Ells, 78, said the letter from Tremlo Limited arrived in his Wiltshire home, informing him that he would have to move on. He said he paid fees of £2,500 in March. I'm devastated, he said. I have had a caravan there for five years and six months. Since we bought it, that was our holiday every year. I haven't got a clue what I'm going to do with my static caravan, I can't put it on another site because it's one of the older ones. It'll have to be broken up on site. He added that people come from as far away as Manchester and Bolton to stay at the caravan park. Liz Hardwick and her husband Robert, both 56, have been coming to the site for 13 years and bought their static six years ago for 10500 quote, because we love the place so much. Mrs Hardwick, who comes to the park every weekend with her husband, said... I think it's disgusting, really, the way we've been treated. There's no consultation. It was a bolt out of the blue. A really big shock. She said the letter had no telephone number or email address to allow them to complain or to discuss the issue. Mrs. Hardwick, who is from Walsall, describes the static caravan as the couple's second home. We are absolutely flabbergasted, she said. They have heard unconfirmed rumours the park will be used for luxury lodges and pods. The letter reads, you will need to leave the park by that date and make arrangements to remove the holiday home and any other personal possessions from the park by no later than November 30, 2023, being one month from the date of termination. The agreement will of course remain in force until October 31, 2023 and you will be entitled to continue to occupy your holiday home until that date. The Worcester News reporter arrived at the caravan park but was denied entry which is behind electric gates and monitored by CCTV. However, the reception team provided a reporter with a mobile phone number for who they said was the owner of the caravan park. When called, however, he denied he was the owner of the caravan park and declined to give further details or to supply a telephone number for the owner. He said, I am not going to go into great detail. We could find no telephone number for Tremlo, which is based at Analyst House in Peel Road, Douglas, on the Isle of Man. Company's house shows the limited company is listed as an overseas entity.
2: Mm -hmm. So, the headline for Saturday was Grace Still Flying High. A photograph of a little Worcestershire girl who always dreamed of flying before she passed away was found hidden on an aircraft in America. Grace Kelly was just four years old when she died from a rare kidney tumour in 2014. Six weeks after her death, her grandparents hid the picture behind a bathroom mirror of a frontier aircraft with an emotional message. It read, our little angel had always wanted to fly, so she flies with monarch, hidden away for as long as possible. Happy travels, darling Grace. You made our life just perfect for all too short a time. The photograph was recently discovered by maintenance workers in Tampa Bay, Florida, who read the message left by the grandparents and were so moved that they decided to leave the picture in its place so Grace could continue to fly. One of the Frontier Airlines maintenance workers who found the picture shared the story with a flight attendant who reached out to Dr. Jen Kelly, Grace's mother. Grace's story has now been shared across America. Dr Kelly from Kroll founded the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust in 2016 in Grace's memory. She said, I'm so proud of Grace and all that she's managed to achieve. I always knew that Grace would move mountains. This is not the way anyone would have chosen, but now Grace is not only moving mountains, but soaring above them too. She never had the chance to fly in a plane, so to know she's flying around high in the clouds is truly special. We're so thankful to Frontier Airlines for keeping Grace on board and we're truly grateful they tracked us down to let us know. Thank you so much to everyone who's made this possible for our girl. The charity funds research into rare and aggressive childhood cancers, educates families and clinicians about the signs and symptoms of childhood cancer and produces information booklets to explain to parents and children about the treatments they're facing. Grace's legacy has now raised almost £3 million, and Dr Kelly says she she knows Grace would want to carry on. Dr Kelly said Grace's wish was to help other children, and out of such sadness has grown an amazing trust that supports and comforts so many families facing such a hard journey. The team at the Trust works so hard to ensure our support is there when needed. The Trust fund research into childhood cancers and provide emotional, practical and financial support to families. The Trust receives no statutory funding and relies solely on fundraising from businesses and supporters. For more on the charity, visit www.gkeet.org.
1: And this one is on Monday, April the 24th. Dismay as controversial flats project is approved, Carmageddon. The controversial flats project will cause Carmageddon parking problems, say critics after the scheme was given the green light despite concerns. Planning permission was granted for the conversion and extension of guest houses to provide 12 apartments in Barbon Road, Worcester, at a planning meeting on Thursday. The Planning Committee Chairman, Councillor James Stanley, had the casting vote at the meeting at Worcester Guild Hall, breaking the deadlock after a tied vote on the scheme, recommended for approval by City Council officers. A disabled magistrate, 66-year-old Anne Connery, who has severe mobility problems and lives close in St George's Square, has already spoken about issues she has finding a parking space and how she has received parking tickets. The scheme will include ten one-bedroom flats and two three-bedroom flats at the former guest houses with a shared rear courtyard and grassed area. Bin storage will be provided in a former garage and there will be storage for bikes. However, no parking will be provided on site which has proved controversial among critics. Tom Neal of the St George's Square Residents Association called the scheme clear overdevelopment of two important gateway buildings, and an HMO by stealth, branding some of the flats tiny with some in a cellar with no natural light. Paul Round service manager and development manager said the residents would only be eligible for six parking permits which is exactly the same as the current situation. Councillor Jenny Barnes spoke at the meeting. We have got another car free scheme haven't we? They do seem to be a bit of a problem because we don't have control over them. We are then reliant on the county council doing their thing and they don't seem to be joined up with us at all. After the meeting, she warned of further choking of an already stressed parking situation in Arboretum Ward as a result. Talking after the vote at the Guildhall, Councillor Barnes, who described the result as Carmageddon, said, "...I have spent weeks talking to residents and listening to their concerns on this issue, and this development is simply not right for Barbourne or its residents." There is real anger about this and it's bitterly disappointing to find the other parties are deaf to resident concerns. From parking tensions to air quality to road safety, this scheme will make already problematic situations worse for the area. Things do not have to be this way for Arboretum. We need better bus provision into the city particularly in the evening, to allow residents the choice of whether or not to use a car. Cycling is part of the solution, and so are car club spaces, allowing multiple residents to make use of a single space. We also need to ensure dedicated disabled spaces are available for residents who often have no choice but the car. There are many routes to a fairer, greener future for the area, so I would invite my colleagues to be far bolder in their vision for the area and be far more attentive to residents' concerns.
0: Right, we've got as far as Tuesday, and Tuesday's headline was Children Are Only Playing. Children playing in street sparks letter. An aggressive, with aggressive in inverted commas, police letter has been sent out to residents over claims of antisocial behaviour by young people under 10, riding e-scooters and playing ball games. The letters from West Mercia Police concern alleged antisocial behaviour in Dockray Avenue, Watch It's Green and Thack Home in Walden Villages, Worcester. However, one dad shared his concerns about the tone of the letter on the Walden Villages community group a private Facebook group with over 4,000 members. Speaking to the Worcester News, the father, who asked not to be named, called the police letters aggressive and said many of the children being referred to were under 10. He also referred to the negative impact of young people being glued to phones, tablets and consoles rather than playing outside. The police letter says, As you will understand, antisocial behaviour cannot be accepted. The community has made this quite clear and the government has responded with powerful legislation which has dramatic effects on the individual offenders. This behaviour has taken the form of ball games in the streets, the use of e-scooters which are not road legal apart from designated trial areas which Worcester is not and children in the road causing cars to swerve to avoid an accident. The dad said his young children did not have an e-scooter and did not play ball games in the road, but he believes they are the only family living in one of the streets mentioned in the letter. He stressed that police had since been extremely understanding after he had spoken to them. He said, We live around the corner from a cul-de-sac full of loads of children who regularly play outside. It's both lovely and quite rare to see now. We've always encouraged our children to play outside like we used to and take all the health, social and mental benefits that come with it. He believes complaints were made by a single couple. Children are growing up not to consider the police there to protect them but keeping an eye ready to punish them, he said. But the actions of shouting at children or calling police when you see them is causing them to further pull back from any community feeling themselves and I think that's harmful to everybody. Councillor Andy Roberts, a Warnden City and County Councillor, praised the work of the detached youth team from Worcester City Council in responding to these issues and said of West Mercia Police their aim isn't to criminalise anyone. Councillor Roberts also spoke of the strong relationship and tremendous rapport between police, the youth team and the community which was focused on providing solutions. The last thing police want to do is offend people. It seems like a bit of a mix-up in the messages there. I know from speaking to the youth team and from the local policing team that that's not their normal approach. Their normal approach is, where they can, to find a solution. Certainly they don't want to criminalise young people, he said. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said the letter refers to specific concerns raised by residents of Dockray Avenue in Walden Villages and these are related to numerous reports of antisocial behaviour by a group of unnamed local young people. It aimed to bring to the attention of parents the complaints that had been raised so they could discuss with their children the safety implications of playing in the road and how particular behaviours could be seen as distressing to other residents. We continue to work with the local community on issues that are important to them. We have recently heard from some who had initially expressed concerns and they confirmed that the original antisocial behaviour has since ceased. We invite the community to speak to us about their concerns that they have and they can do this via the normal police reporting channels as well as our regular Police and Community Together meetings.
2: Well, on Wednesday the headline was Concerns over Q-Jumpers. Residents who live near a busy tip in Worcester fear an accident is going to happen due to dangerous drivers skipping the queue. Worcester Recycling Centre in Bilford Road has been attracting large queues at the weekends, and some motorists are driving on the wrong side of the road to skip the queue for the tip. Many residents in the area are worried the number of cars and dangerous driving could lead to an accident. Train driver Adam who would not give his surname, has lived in the area since 1990 and said, I've spotted a couple of people driving on the other side of the road just to avoid traffic. It wouldn't take much for a potential collision. On a Sunday, you'll get a lot of people on the road and you will get a backlog of traffic and it's probably everyone on a Sunday on their way to the tip. It's a bit impractical because only a certain amount of cars can park there. James and Sehey Draper have lived in Milford Road near the recycling centre for the past three years. Mrs. Draper said, There isn't a set pedestrian crossing on this road, and there isn't much lane discipline when you get to the tip. You also see a lot of teenagers on their bikes swerving traffic, and that can be quite dangerous. Mr. Draper said, It does get busier in the summer, but it doesn't affect us that much, because we usually drive in the opposite direction towards the city centre. It's a main road, but it can be quite tricky to get out of your own property, because a lot of people tend not to wait for you to reverse. Worcestershire City Council, no, with the County Council, sorry, has advised people to be patient and courteous when visiting the centre. A spokesperson said, Weekends in spring and summer can be particularly busy at the household recycling centres, so we ask residents to be patient and courteous. If possible, please consider visiting the household recycling centres during quieter periods, for example weekdays. If the household
1: recycling centres are busy, please queue safely. And this one is for Thursday, April the 27th. Mystery as shop closes. A music shop has... Closed suddenly and mysteriously as one entertainer arrived at the store in an attempt to get back his guitar. The doors of Cranes Music in New Street, Worcester, are closed and locked after staff there served customers for more than 30 years. Meanwhile, the building's owner, Adam Giagnotti, who is the director of the Olive Branch, is now looking to rent out the Cranes' premises again. He's not connected to the management of Crane's music itself. We have reported in 2006 how under-manager director Steve Grice there was a, a Yamaha music school based at the store. Under the umbrella of Worcester Academy of Music, the shop taught 500 students a week and offered courses in keyboard, piano, guitar, contemporary singing and drums. John Cook arrived on Wednesday morning to try and get his guitar back after previously posting a letter through the shop's letterbox. However, the lights were off at the shop, which sells guitars, digital pianos, keyboards, acoustic pianos and ukuleles. All the frustrated pensioner could do was point out his guitar in the shop and show the receipt he had when he originally bought it. Crane's website says the store is accessible and friendly hosted by staff who are first and foremost passionate musicians themselves, and therefore able to give invaluable advice to all customers. Mr Cook, 71 and a singer and guitar entertainer, said his Martin DRS1 electric acoustic guitar was in the shop on a sale or return basis after he took it in two weeks ago. Last Monday, I came to the shop and it was in darkness. I started panicking and I reported it to the Citizen Advice Bureau, he said. He paid £629 for it on July the 3rd last year from Guitar Guitar in Glasgow, but was selling it at Cranes for 549 The shop takes 25% cut of the sale, he said. I have been buying and selling guitars for years and work as an entertainer, I'm extremely disappointed and let down. It would not be so bad if there was an announcement or something. I just want my guitar back as soon as possible, he said. The owner of the premises, not the business itself, is Adam Giagnotti, who shared a post on Facebook saying, Shop to rent on New Street, Worcester. Retail or restaurant and bar? Private message if you want more details. He explained he owned the building describing the situation as heartbreaking for Cranes. Mr Jake Notty assured Cranes customers he would do what he could to help. If you struggle to get anything in there, come into the olive branch and I will try to help out,
0: he said. OK, well that's the end of the headlines. Hope you enjoyed that. And we're now going to look at our selection of the other stories in last week's Worcester News. And I'm going to start with a rather sad one because I'm very fond of Croome Court. This is a story that's had some national coverage recently. Um, So here we go. Crayons given out before statues spoiled. Crayons had been handed out to children in activity packs before a 230-year-old statue was vandalised. A memorial to Lancelot Brown, that's Capability Brown as we know him, and a statue of Sabrina the Roman naiad, at Croom Court were covered in blue markings over the school holidays. This happened during the Easter trail event organised by the National Trust, in which activity packs with crayons were handed out to young visitors. A National Trust spokesperson said, like lots of other heritage organisations, we regularly run events for families and we often issue pencils or crayons. Over the Easter period, we were running one of our popular Easter trails in the Parkland at Croom for children and their families to complete together and a crayon was included in each trail pack. The trail had been running for seven days and hundreds of families had completed the trail without incident. The Sabrina statue, made of code stone and designed by John Bacon, has now been tidied up. However, efforts to clean the Capability Brown Memorial have proved more difficult. We've been able to remove the crayon from the Sabrina statue and we are in the process of cleaning the Capability Brown Memorial, added the National Trust Trust spokesperson. As we've said, disappointing as they are, incidents like this are very rare, considering the millions of visitors who enjoy and respect the places in our care. The vandalism happened sometime during the property's opening hours on Easter Sunday. That was April the 8th. After the discovery, a spokesman for the National Trust had said "We're shocked and very upset about the extensive defacement of the Sabrina statue and Lancelot Brown's memorial at Croom in Worcestershire. The Sabrina statue depicts the Roman naiad Sabrina. And I think was the spirit of the River Severn, was it not, mm-hmm. Sabrina? Yes, my learned colleagues are nodding. and That's a good sign. It is di- disputed, it's easy for me to say, it is disputed when it was created, but it is thought to have been created either in the mid-1780s or in 1802. Mm-hmm.
2: The public stop a drink driver. Drivers on the M5 boxed in a drink driver to bring him to a halt, Worcester magistrates heard. Evan French was close to four times the legal limit after drinking vodka before erratically driving on the motorway and hitting another car on March the 31st this year. Owen Beale, prosecuting, said at 2pm that day police received reports that a Ford Transit van was being driven poorly on the M42 and the M5. Mr Beale said French hit cones before clipping the wing mirror off another vehicle. The prosecutor said between junctions 7 and 8 of the motorway, members of the public were so concerned they forced his vehicle to stop on the, on the hard shoulder before police arrested him. It's clear there was an unacceptable standard of driving. Mr Beale said French was taken to the police station where he provided an evidential sample of 121 micrograms in 100 millilitres of breath, the legal limit being 35 micrograms. The prosecutor added... The offence and the aggravating features placed it firmly in the top tier of the magistrate's sentencing guidelines, which attracted a potential prison sentence. French admitted drink driving when he appeared at the court on Thursday, April 20th. Paul Stanley, defending, said French, whose work involved highway maintenance had a bad day when the defendant made a momentous mistake. He'd been drinking because of the upset of his relationship coming to an end, Mr Beale said. He heard about it on his shift. That was the catalyst. His whole world was turned upside down. His concern, first and foremost, is about his liberty. Mr Stanley said the dad of two of Walnut Drive Smithick had no previous convictions and would now lose his job due to the inevitable driving ban he would receive. The solicitor added no-one had been hurt in the offence. Magistrates retired and on returning to the courtroom, Chairman of the Bench, Kevin Lloyd Wright told French the offences were so serious it had to be a custodial sentence. You had to be brought to a stop by members of the public. So worried were they, the chairman said. You're now coming to realise what a stupid, very serious mistake you made. French was jailed for ten weeks, suspended for a year. The defendant was ordered to complete 80 hours of unpaid work. French was disqualified from driving for 30 months, but was offered the Drink Drive Awareness course to reduce the ban length. French was also ordered to pay £154 victim surcharge and £135 court costs.
1: Um, And this is about a man who was fined after trying to pay. We've all had our problems in car parks. A frustrated tourist received a fine despite trying to pay for parking using various methods. Gareth Williams of Shropshire spent over 20 minutes trying to pay for parking in Worcester as he was taking a friend round the city. He parked at Newport Street Car Park, owned and operated by Worcester City Council, and found a PCN on his car after returning 19 minutes late. Mr Williams said, we wanted to stay for four hours. However, Neither of the machines in the car park were accepting credit or debit cards, and another was not functioning at all. We therefore proceeded to try to pay with cash in the one machine that was working, but it kept repeatedly rejecting one of the four-pound coins which we had. We were away for little over three hours, but less than the four hours we had wished to pay for, and returned to the vehicle at 2.40 p.m., to find that the PCN had been issued at 2.32. Mr Williams believes Worcester City Council is at fault for failing to maintain the payment machines. He said, Worcester City Council made it impossible to pay for the parking duration we wish to pay for, and I would willingly go to the Magistrates' Court to argue that its failure to maintain the parking machines amounts to a deliberate attempt to entrap the motorists into paying a fine. I realise that that for those with a smartphone, it's possible to download the app, but I do not think it is or should be a requirement in order to park in a publicly run car park. You should not have have to have a smartphone, download an app, and have to pay for data roaming in order to do so. Mr Williams said he attempted to call Ringo. Ringo but was greeted with a message saying it was not possible to pay for parking on this number. Worcester City Council said all of the payment systems were working on the day. Spokesman said the council's payment machines have sophisticated systems installed to prevent fake or counterfeit coins from being used for payment. Card payments have not been accepted in any Worcester City Council car parks since September although this facility will be reintroduced when new payment machines are installed in the coming weeks. Customers do not need to have a smartphone app to pay for the parking with Ringo service. The local rate phone number for the service is displayed on all our payment machines and customers can call it to make a payment on any type of mobile phone. Any customer who receives a penalty charge notice in our car park has the right to appeal against it. Details are provided on the notice and at www.worcester.gov.uk/parking.
0: Thank you, Jane. Yes, I recognise some of that. Okay, this story is a bit like the one. use perhaps slightly like the one I just read. It's called <coughs> "Graffiti Covering New Footbridge." A new footbridge has already been covered in graffiti less than two years after it opened and residents say the situation is getting worse. The Broomhall Way footbridge, which crosses the a four o Southern Link Road, is one of the worst affected by the vandalism. However, other city bridges have also been targeted, including the new bridge on Swinesherd Way near County Hall in Worcester. Photos show several supports for the Broomhill Bridge, which opened in July 2021, have been covered in graffiti, including the tag Doom, an image of a rat, An anarchist symbol. Councillor Dr Steve Cockerham, Green Party City Councillor for St Peter's, said Graffiti can be a contentious issue, but it is vital that we work together as a community to find ways to promote positive forms of self expression while also cracking down on illegal and harmful graffiti. We also need to focus on the root causes of graffiti, such as lack of opportunities for youth engagement and creativity. Councillor Steve Mackay, Conservative City Councillor for St Peter's, said, Rather than referring to it as graffiti, those that are responsible are actually causing criminal damage, and I know that the areas affected have been reported. What's particularly annoying about this is that it all goes onto the bill, and all council taxpayers have to foot that bill. Although noticeable in St Peter's at the moment, these acts of vandalism are evident at various times across the city and it costs time and resources to remove it. The City Council takes the matter seriously and wherever they can, remove it as soon as is practicable. I am in regular contact with the community engagement officers and police about this and other matters. In turn, they try to engage with young people in the locality in an attempt to stem the problem. At the same time, I've been looking at other ways to divert those who were attempted to engage in these acts with other amenities in the St. Peter's area. A couple crossing over the bridge said they were St. Peter's residents and had noticed that the graffiti was getting steadily worse since the bridge was opened. You are going on a nice country walk and you don't need to be faced with graffiti, they said. We come out for something more aesthetically pleasing. A Rushwick resident said to me it spoils the look of Worcester, I imagine lots of visitors heading to Malvern and Worcester see that. It must create a bad impression for our city. A spokesman for Worcestershire County Council, which managed the Southern Link Road scheme, said, We are aware of graffiti on some of our footbridges and are working with our contractor to arrange for its removal. West Mercia Police said they had received no reports of the graffiti.
2: Well, here's a, a nice piece of what's on news for you. Discover the real Elgar at his birthplace. A celebration of Elgar's music and words featuring live performances will take place at his birthplace in Worcester this May. He may be England's most famous composer, but what was Elgar really like? Was he just a stereotypical patriotic character who wrote Land of Hope and Glory and Nimrod, or something much more than that? People can now discover more about his fascinating character at a live event at the Furs in Lower Broadheath on Sunday, May the 28th. It features live musical performances by the Veracini Ensemble, narration by Elgar expert Richard Westwood Brooks and readings of Elgar's own words by an actor playing the part of Edward Elgar to accompany the story. The music played by the Veracini Ensemble is hoped to give an insight into how his life events influenced his compositions. Elgar never forgot about the furs and before his death in 1934 he confided to his daughter Caris his desire to be remembered there. In 1935, Caris, with the help of Alderman Hubert Lester, persuaded the Corporation of Worcester to purchase the cottage. Now run by the National Trust, It is in the room named after Elgar's daughter, the Caris Room. Ellen Cooper, National Trust site manager at the Furs, said it's really special whenever Elgar's music is played live at the Furs, his birthplace, and the place he wanted to be remembered. With only 66 seats per per, per performance, being close up to the musicians and experiencing the nuances of the compositions as well as hearing Elgar expert Richard Westwood-Brooks volunteering his time, knowledge and expertise, creates an event we don't want to miss. The production takes place on Sunday, May the 28th, with two performances at 11am and 2pm. Each performance will last around one and a half hours. Ticket prices £12.50, plus normal admission to the FURS. Tickets are available to purchase on their website nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash the furs or by calling 0344 249 1895. If you want to visit the furs at any other time, they're open Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday 11 until 5 from March until October and again for three weekends in December.
1: And this next one is about a drug dealer, aged 23, who was jailed. A cannabis and cocaine drug dealer who refused to give the police the pin to his mobile phone is now behind bars. Aidan Collins was caught after police attended his home in Fieldhouse Gardens, Wilds Lane, Worcester, in February this year. Philip Beardwell, prosecuting, told Worcester Crown Court police originally attended the property to arrest the 23-year-old for another matter, but on arrival, officers found drugs. The search revealed bags of cocaine and cannabis, as well as drug paraphernalia, including sets of scales. Notebooks with amounts listed, as well as cash, further linked Collins to illegal drug dealing. The prosecutor said the total amounts of the drugs discovered were 76 grams of cocaine and two and a half kilograms of cannabis. Mr Beardwell added that an aggravating factor was Collins failed to give police the PIN to his mobile phone with a suspicion it would provide information on his role in the drug dealing operation. Collins previously admitted possession with intent to supply cocaine and cannabis failing to provide a PIN number and possession of LSD, MDMA and piperazone diazepam, appearing on video link to court for sentence. Belinda Aris, defending, said, The defendant had been struggling with a drug addiction for many years and his addiction spiralled out of control, leading to him owing thousands in drug debts and become a dealer. Mrs Aris said, he said, going to custody is a wake-up call for him. She added the defendant had not been high up on the tree, but a part of a chain in the drug-dealing operation. Sentencing Collins, His Honour Judge Nicholas Cartwright said, it was clear Collins had played a significant role and would have known the full extent of the conspiracy. The judge added he recognised Collins had mental health issues at the time of the offending, but not to the extent that it reduced his culpability. Collins was jailed for a total of 45 months. After the hearing, Detective Constable Damien Fitzmorris of South Worcestershire, Integrated Offender Management, who was involved in the case, said, The extent of Collins' offending behaviour was uncovered when we caught him unawares at his home address. This is a significant sentence and highlights the dim view that judiciary and police take on drugs-related offence. The case was heard on Wednesday, April the 19th.
0: Right, and look at some yarn bombing. The yarn bomber strikes again in Worcester's suburbs with some newly themed post box toppers. Yarn bombing is a type of street art where people create colourful designs and leave them in public places, such as on bollards or fences. Fernal Heath and Clanes post boxes have been redecorated with King Charles themed coronation cosies. So far, two have been spotted, with one outside the Fernal Heath post office and the other on Northwick Road in Clanes. Alan Cash owner of Fernell Heath Post Office, said The work that has gone into this is unbelievable. They're fantastic, and we see people taking pictures in front of them. They do cause a lot of chat. This is Fernell Heath Post Office's fourth cosy since the Yarn Bomber first decorated the box on Remembrance Day last year. Fernhill Heath's post box has been decorated to mark Armistice Day, World Book Day and Christmas. Other toppers have also appeared at Clane's Church, with one notable one being a giant love heart to mark Valentine's Day. More recently, the Northwick Road post box was pictured on World Book Day in a fantastic Mr Fox-themed attire. However, mystery still surrounds the identity of the Yarn Bomber or Bombers. Mr Cash added, They like to remain secret and unknown to who they are. It is like a secret society, the Yarn Bombers. So far, each postbox cosy has appeared to mark a national occasion. However, yarn bombers are not restricted just to Worcester. In different parts of Worcestershire, postbox toppers have appeared in Upton on Old Street. The postbox outside Bar 7 had a scene of crotcheted mice dancing around a maypole in spring last year. The topper is hemmed with different coloured flowers and all of the mice are in unique outfits with miniature hats on their heads.
2: Hundreds of youngsters took to the streets of Worcester to celebrate St George's Day. Squirrels, beavers, cubs, scouts and sea scouts were all represented as the annual parade flowed through the city on Sunday afternoon, April 23rd. Dressed immaculately, they gathered in Angel Place before setting off at around 1pm. A marching band led the way, with a member of each group holding a flag aloft as they made their way down High Street. Friends and family lined the streets as the youngsters headed towards Cathedral Square and over the road to Worcester Cathedral, where a special service took place at 2.15. Explaining the history behind April 23rd, a spokesperson for Scouts, Hereford and Worcester, said Baden-Powell chose St George to be the patron saint of Scouts. He felt the qualities of the legendary Roman soldier were the same qualities that reflect a good scout. He also wanted St George's Day to be a time to reflect on the scout promise and what it means to be a scout. Thousands of scouts will be celebrating St George's Day today, many parading in their hometowns and cities. Sunday's parade didn't come without its hiccups, with motorists seen queuing out of car parks as they tried to find a last-minute place. Then, just moments after the march began, the heavens opened. Luckily, many of those who'd come to watch were well prepared, and the sounds of the marching band meant spirits remained high. Similar events also took place in Kidderminster and Redditch, while the National Scout Service
1: was held at St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle. And this is about a family of badgers which has moved into the grounds of Worcestershire School, The animals are believed to have gone unnoticed for months, but their presence at Abbey Park School in Pershaw has now been confirmed. Staff at the school say they're thrilled to have the badgers on school grounds and have already started work to protect their home. Abbey Park is also taking the opportunity to teach children at the school about the animals in a unique way. "'We're thrilled to advise that we have a family of badgers "'who've made their home on the Adman Park School grounds. Said Sam Faulkner, the school's business manager. "'They've gone unnoticed for a couple of months, "'but as they're at the far end of the playing fields, "'but just before Christmas, an ecologist visited the school "'as he'd been tracking the badgers "'and believed they've made a second home here on site, "'and it's been confirmed that the badgers have made a new home here.'" As badgers are a protected species, the school now has a responsibility to protect both the animals and their set. We're working with rooftop housing who've agreed to fund the installation of a new artificial set, along with CCTV cameras, so that our school pupils will be able to watch footage of the badgers as part of their curriculum. The new set enclosure will ensure the badgers stay in one area and make it easier for the school to run as normal without affecting the protected badgers. The new set will be enclosed by a 1.8-metre mesh fencing designed to keep the pupils away from the set so as not to disturb the badgers. Rooftop will also fund an ecologist to come into the school to deliver lessons about badgers. This is a wonderful opportunity for us as a school and we'll have our own country file show available to our classes. The artificial set will be constructed during half term and then monitored regularly from then. Lessons around the badgers will start after half term so expect your child to come home talking badgers. A spokesman for rooftop housing said Rooftop are thrilled to have been able to work in conjunction with the school and specialist ecologist's to ensure that the family of badgers have a safe home. By funding the new artificial set and providing wildlife trial cameras, we're supporting the forest element of the school curriculum, which enables the school children to learn about local wildlife whilst also safeguarding the badgers that are a protected species in the UK.
0: Thank you. Uh, This story from Monday's newspaper is headed, Service Will Help Adults. A mother and founder of a charity which specialises in helping children with learning difficulties has now expanded a charity services to support adults. Jean Wilson started New Hope 13 years ago in order to support children with learning difficulties between the ages of 6 and 18 She has now launched New Horizons, with the team hoping to support adults with similar learning difficulties. Mrs Wilson said, New Horizons is for adults. We also support the families and carers because our service gives them a respite too. Dozens of families with young children across Worcester rely on New Hope, Ronkswood on Litchfield Avenue, but now staff will work with adults, and that's people above the age of 19. Mrs Wilson said, They they may go on to college, but there is a distinct lack of provision in Worcester City for adults with learning difficulties and providing them with facilities to free up their day. Her motivation to start New Hope and New Horizons was her daughter, Emily. My daughter, Emily, she said, has learning difficulties, and I was looking for places to go to for support, and I couldn't find anything. I knew I couldn't be the only one, so I decided to start New Hope. We've grown quite quickly in a short space of time, which shows that it is a needed service. There are lots of projects out there that offer what we do, but we try to offer something bespoke and tailored to individual needs. So far, we have five clients, and in the future we could support about 20 to 30 adults, but it's hard to say right now. New Hope accepts children, but at the age of 19, some of them are thinking about what they should do with their lives. Some of them go to college, but it's about supporting the ones who don't. We can provide them with learning skills or a day out. It really depends on what they want to do with their day. Ms Wilson, Wilson, I should say, received an MBE for service to children in 2016. The team from New Hope in Roxwood celebrated the launch of New Horizons with a launch party on Friday, which was attended by the Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson.
2: Well, on Monday, uh, the following story appeared... Shoppers in Worcester were given a fright as a bush jumped into life. Those unfortunate to get too close to an unassuming plant pot couldn't help but let out screams, leaving the crowds on High Street in stitches. And there's a photograph and it looks as if the bush is right near the end of the Guildhall, actually. Um, On Monday, the newspaper said it isn't clear yet who or what was under the shrubbery on Saturday but it appears to be a popular prank on TikTok. On Wednesday, Worcester News investigative journalists were able to let let readers know that the mystery of whom or what was responsible has been solved. It was the YouTuber Giant Bushman. A seven-minute video was shared on the YouTube account showcasing dozens of victims of the prank. In less than 24 hours, the video has been watched nearly 5,000 times.
1: Oh, right, OK. And this is about empty floors which could be turned into flats. this is the empty floors above a busy late-night city centre takeaway could soon be converted into flats under new plans. The owners of Shakey's Heaven in Angel Street, Worcester, have applied to convert the space above the takeaway and shisha bar into one- and two-bed flats. Angel Street is one of the city centre's busiest late-night spots, with hundreds using the area's takeaways and fast-food restaurants after bars and clubs have closed. Shakey's currently opens until 5am every day. A statement included with the application said, The building has been lying vacant for a few years. The proposed alterations and refurbishment will facilitate long-term sustainable solution and is considered to enhance the character and appearance of the conservation area. The façade of the building largely remains unchanged, and and implementation of current proposals would ensure that the property is retained with retail use at the ground floor and residential use on the upper floors, which will give a new lease of life to the building and be an important contributing factor To the sustainable regeneration of Angel Street. The planned refurbishment would be one of several transformations in Angel Street and Angel Place in the coming months. Worcester City Council is pressing ahead with its multi million pound plans to open a new performing arts venue at the nearby former Scala Theatre. The Council submitted a planning application at the start of the year, which would include a new 500 seat venue. But the work was scaled back because of money woes and several parts of the project, including a separate 110-seat venue, dance studio and rehearsal space at the neighbouring Corn Exchange, were eventually ditched. Separate plans submitted earlier this year, so how the eyesore former jewellers in Angel Street is finally set to be spruced after being left to rot for several years. The building, which has been split into two units, including the Mine Jewelers, which shut in 2016, and the BSM Driving School, which closed its doors in 2002, would now become a ground-floor shop under the new plans by Arshad Montani, with the remaining floors converted into flats. You can have your say on the flats plan for Shakey's by visiting Worcester City Council's website. The application number is... 23 slash 00220 slash FUL and consultation ends on May the 16th.
0: Heartbreak as shop shut. The heartbroken charity shop manager is devastated after the store was forced to close at short notice as the search continues for a new home. The RSPCA shop in Broad Street, Worcester is expected to close on Thursday the 27th. A closing down sale has been taking place with customers browsing for last minute bargains at the shop, which provides vital funds for the holdings in Holdings Lane, Kempsey, run by the Worcestershire and Mid Worcestershire branch of the RSPCA. The charity's main aim is to rehome animals within the area they cover, with the shops raising funds to support that mission. The City Shop is one of four supporting the charity's animal welfare work with other shops in Upton, Bromsgrove and an on-site shop at the rescue centre itself. Sam Fredericks, 43, who has run the shop for the last eight months said they'd been given four weeks' notice with the charity shop permitted to run at a reduced rate as a pop-up shop until it was sold. Mrs Fredericks, a mother of four, said the shop was originally supposed to run for three months but it remained open for three years. We totally transformed the shop and made it a success, she said. It had the highest takings of the shops we have. She said the charity was looking for alternative premises and had contacted Crowngate, but it is understood that various avenues are being explored. Some of the rents are through the roof, she said. Some of the volunteers in the shop are in their 80s. It has been a bit of a bolt from the blue. I'm heartbroken. I have regular customers, older people, that come in especially to see me in the shop. We tried to keep all the prices as low as possible. We're proud of what we've done for the charity. I'm redundant now until we get another shop, as the charity can't afford to pay my wages. She was supported at the shop by husband Simon, 49, who said they put a lot of effort into refurbishing the interior, which had been a bit gloomy. Pamela Booker, branch secretary, said the charity had no chief executive and was run by unpaid trustees and said they were looking for new premises but couldn't pay the higher rent and they had to make profits, otherwise there was no point. Thank you, she said, to everyone who supports our endeavours. The vast majority of the money goes towards animal welfare.
2: Well, it's another graffiti story, I'm afraid. Anyway, brazen teenagers sprayed a graffiti mural on a canal bridge in front of witnesses who say confronting them only sparks a mouthful of abuse. Tom Neill said one teenager sprayed the artwork under the Bilford Road Bridge in Worcester on the canal while his wife immediately reported the incident to the police. The Canal and River Trust, a charity, says every disappointing attack like this costs hundreds of pounds to repaint. Mr. Neal said, despite reporting the criminal damage to West Mercia Police on the non-emergency number 101, the day it happened, Tuesday, April the 11th, police still have not been back in touch. The 68-year-old, who lives about 20 yards away from the tag on the Worcester to Birmingham Canal, said, my wife not only saw them doing it, but reported it to West Mercia, while the artist continued with his masterpiece – It's now April the 21st and they still haven't been, so it's no wonder these characters get away with vandalism. Three of them also daubed on the towpath side, but the volunteer lockkeeper has painted it out already. I'm sure the police have more serious issues, however this won't go away unless it's dealt with, and I feel an opportunity has been missed. The painter struggled to climb back out. And I dare say, as I live in the lock house, one day I may have to help fish one of them out. It's dangerous and they're putting themselves at risk. He says the couple has challenged people about the graffiti in the past, but didn't do so this time. We just get a mouthful of abuse. It's not worth it, he said. To get to the spot, teenagers have to slide through a gap between the bridge and a brick wall, which lies on the opposite side to the canal towpath. To get out again, they then have to clamber along the wall and shimmy along a ledge of wood fixed to the wall to protect the brickwork from boats. He's previously raised concerns about children messing about on the canal lock, and six weeks ago saw a woman jump in the canal to save her dog. He also said he saw one girl, about 14, swimming in the canal. A spokesperson for the Canal and River Trust said the bridge was owned by Worcestershire County Council and had been graffitied and painted over several times. They are in contact with the council to get permission to once again paint over this graffiti with a group of our volunteers. Every time this happens, it costs the charity a few hundred pounds for materials and colleague time to remove. She added... It's so disappointing that some people choose to graffiti along our canals and vandalise these precious green spaces. We work with local volunteers, community groups and businesses to keep our canals a welcoming place for everyone. So when they come to visit, they can enjoy spending time in nature and being by water. It's a shame a few want to spoil this for everyone. As a charity, we have limited resources and funds to look after our canals, so every penny counts. Having to deal with vandalism is an added expense we cannot afford at a time when the cost of living and purchasing of materials is at an all-time high. West Mercia Police has been approached for a comment.
1: This is a man held on a raids charge. A burglary suspect has been named by police after he was charged with two house raids in Worcester after a string of break-ins. Rhys Brown, aged 25, of Morton Place in Worcester has been charged with two burglaries, both in St John's. One took place in Bromyard Road and the other in Henwick Road. The spokesperson for West Mercia Police said... Proactive CID worked into the night last night, securing charges against Reese Brown, a 25-year-old from Morton Place, for two home burglaries in St John's that happened in the early hours of Thursday, April the 13th. He has been remanded to appear at Kidderminster Magistrates Court today. DI Dave Knight of Proactive CID based at Worcester Police Station, has offered assurances to the public about how seriously house burglaries are taken by West Mercia Police. And he also stressed that the residential burglary figures include break-ins at garden sheds and other outbuildings rather than just the houses themselves. D.I. Knight said, We have a dedicated team of de- detectives purely looking in to investigate home burglaries and lock-up burglars. We have in the last week had 22 residential burglaries compared to an average of 20 per week over the last 80 eight weeks. We're seeing a series of home burglaries in the Broadway and Wickhamford area at the moment. We have a plan in place to catch the offenders which includes activity in the area across a variety of police departments and the community safety team from Wichangford Council. We are working on a number of leads at the moment, including forensic work, to identify and lock up the offenders. Uh, last night, proactive CID worked late into the night to secure two charges and a remand for Chris Keylock, a 54-year-old male from the Cleve-Pryor area, on suspicion of a burglary at Asda in Pershore and the co-op in Winchcombe from earlier in the year, and he will appear at Westminster Magistrates Court.
0: And now a story from Monday's newspaper, Drink Driver Banned. A 50-year-old man caught drink driving has been given a, given a lengthy driving ban. Richard Egerton was stopped in his Ford Mondeo in Penny Lane, Gwalford, on April the 5th, having been spotted earlier by police going around 70 miles an hour on a 40 miles an hour limited road. Owen Beale, prosecuting at Worcester Magistrates Court, said... It was clear to officers that Egerton was intoxicated as he was showing the usual signs. After being taken to the police station, the evidential sample Egerton gave was 57 micrograms in 100 millilitres of breath, close to twice the legal limit of 35 micrograms. Owen Beale said an aggravating factor was Egerton's previous convictions, the prosecutor adding Egerton was no stranger to the court's. Magistrates Heard Egerton of Harbinger Avenue, Morven, had previously been caught drink-driving and, after being banned, had driven while disqualified. He admitted drink-driving when he appeared at the court on Thursday, April 20th. Mr Adris, defending, said the self-employed gardener had admitted his guilt at the earliest opportunity. The solicitor said police originally stopped Egerton for his speed, explaining the defendant was on a stretch of road that led up to a 70-mile-an-hour zone. He said the defendant, who suffered from anxiety and depression, drank during a shift at work as it was a hot day. He drank a couple of pints. He didn't think it would take him over the limit. The solicitor added that a loss of his licence would have a significant impact. Kevin Lloyd Wright, chairman of the bench, told Egerton he would be banned from driving for 46 months. Drink drivers are sometimes offered the Drink Drive Awareness course, which, if successfully completed, can reduce the ban length but the chairman said they had decided due to Egerton's past offences that they would not offer the course. You are well aware of the consequences of drink driving, Mr Lloyd Wright said. It is right that you serve the full length of the ban to protect other road users. Egerton was ordered to pay costs of £135 and victim surcharge of £100. The defendant, through his advocate, offered to pay the total amount of £485 at £50 a month.
2: Now, this is a story from today, Thursday, April the 27th. A well-respected emergency doctor at the country's main hospital is trapped with his family in Sudan as NHS bosses work towards his safe return. Gunfire and shelling have been reported in the war-ravaged African country despite a ceasefire after fighting first broke out on Saturday, April the 15th. The emergency doctor who works at Worcestershire Royal Hospital in Worcester is still trapped there. The acute trust leaders who manage Worcestershire Royal Hospital said they've been in touch with Worcester's MP Robin Walker and the Secretary of State to do all they can to ensure his safe return. The doctor has not been named. Matthew Hopkins, chief executive of Worcestershire Acute Hospital's NHS Trust, said... We're aware that one of our well-respected emergency medicine doctors is currently stuck in Sudan with his family. Colleagues at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust are all incredibly concerned for his safety. I've written to the Secretary of State for Foreign Commonwealth and Development Affairs, as well as our local MP Robin Walker, to urge that they do all they can to ensure his safe return as soon as possible. Divisional Director, Urgent Care and Emergency Consultant David Raven said on Twitter, Our WRHED clinical lead has written to the Home Office about one of our emergency doctor registrars who's stuck in Sudan. We are just hoping he and his family get back safely and government progress efforts to help people escape.
1: And this is about a view which may be lost forever because there are fears rolling round the Worcester countryside that views will be lost forever if a solar power station is given the green light. Four parish councils have united in opposition to the proposed site of a new solar power station in Worcestershire. A planning application was submitted to Witchhaven District Council last month by German-owned JBM Solar for plans to build on 287 acres of countryside in Inkborough. The proposed site will be located between Sockwood and Stock Green and will consist of battery storage facilities that buy and sell energy from the grid from renewable and non-renewable sources. The facility will feature 40-plus batteries and inverters dotted around the site. Inkberrow, Stock and Bradley, Feckenham and Kington and Dor- Dormston parish councils have this week put in their objections to the plans. Phil Cotup from the Roundhill uh, Roundhill Wood Solar Farm Opposition Group, said all parishes recognise that this beautiful part of the county will be lost forever if these plans get the go ahead. Common themes are their concerns about the miles and miles of fencing and the impact this will have on the animals in the area, many of which are protected and endangered species. The volume of traffic down the narrow country lanes, some less than four meters wide, will also make it so dangerous for the many leisure cyclists, walkers and horses who use this route. And of course, there's the noise of the construction itself. And after some parish councillors visited a solar farm under construction in Bishampton, they were left in no doubt that repetitive sound of the pile driving was loud and debilitating for those living nearby. We all believe that the operational noise has been downplayed because in an urban environment where general background noise is constant, the humming would be hidden. But in this location, the only nighttime noise is that of wildlife. There are specific objections to the application from each individual parish, with Feckenham, for example, concerned about the installation of more than, one, uh, of more than four kilometres of cabling and whether the separate planning application is required. The reality is that this development is far too large for this location and completely out of character with it. It would be a visual eye store in an, an otherwise unspoilt rural area. And we urge residents to join with us in opposing these plans. For more information about the campaign, you can visit
0: www.rwsf.co.uk. Lovely. Thursday's newspaper starts um, story starts with a quotation: "City can be vegan hub." Worcester has the potential to become a vegan hub as more plant-based businesses open up in the city, according to some business owners. Worcester has several vegan places to eat and the city even has a vegan hair salon, the Hair Branch in Sidbury. And some vegan businesses said the city has the potential to become a hub for people across the country to come and visit. Reishis, which recently opened above the lamb and flag on the tithing, said the city has this potential – Alex Eaton, Richard Dunn and Amber Doody work at the restaurant and said, we definitely think this can happen to Worcester. We've seen lots of new and successful vegan businesses open up, such as Bento Box, No Frickin' Chicken, Golden Glaze and The Hair Branch. We also believe that with us located above the lamb and flag, we are opening up lots of people's minds to how delicious and exciting plant-based dining can be, which will help grow the community for the future. The team said there is quite a big vegan community in Worcester already and believes it will only get bigger. Miss Doody said, we know that this community exists as we've all worked within the vegan scene in Worcester for several years and we've watched it grow. We believe it will continue to do so. After only being open for just over a month, the restaurant has had visitors from far away. as Nottingham, Cardiff, Manchester and Leeds. Hannah Hughes, who is co-founder of the vegan food van No Frickin' Chicken, also thinks Worcester could become a vegan hub in the future. Miss Hughes currently travels the country with her partner Paddy Kelly and they will be catering for major events like Glastonbury Festival this year. But eventually the team hopes to come back to Worcester and open up a pub or a diner and bring more vegans into Worcester. She said, we want to be known all over the UK and then we want to set up a pub or a diner in Worcester. Hopefully, though, over the years, Worcester will become known as a great vegan place to come and visit.
2: Right. Uh, A giant chocolate bunny taken from a popular country garden centre has still not been returned. Earlier this month two women allegedly walked out of Laylock's Garden Centre in Cotheridge without paying for a one kilogram lint bunny which was an Easter competition prize. Laylock's Garden Centre posted CCTV pictures of the two women, who they claim left without paying for the large chocolate treat, which was intended to be won by a lucky customer. A spokesperson for the business said Nothing more has come from this. They never returned the prize. Lailox Garden Centre posted the CCTV images alongside an appeal for the women to return the chocolate treat. The original Facebook post read oopsie, it looks as though these two ladies got swept up in the excitement of the bank holiday and accidentally thought they'd won our Easter competition so have hopped home with our chocolate bunny. We'd very much like it back to give give it to the real winner. So if anyone knows who these women are, please do let us know. The women were only in the garden centre for a few minutes, according to a manager at the garden centre. The Laylocks garden centre manager previously said... They pulled up to the garden centre in a white Audi and both got out of the car while the Audi drove away. They made their way straight to the Delhi farm shop area of the garden centre and grabbed the kilogram lint bunny. After this, they made their way to near the exit where one of the women spoke to two staff members on the till whilst the other was able to exit the garden centre. Upon leaving, they made their way out of the garden centre and onto the main road where the white Audi picked them up, and they drove away. We intend to report this to the police. We just want the bunny returned so it can go to the winner of the competition. Laylocks Garden Centre is an independent, family-owned business which sells a wide variety of gardening products. The business also has a restaurant and deli farm shop. To report a crime to West Mercia Police, you can call 101 or use the online Tell Us About form on the West Mercia Police website at https colon two double slashes www.westmercia.police.uk forward slash tua forward slash tell us about.
1: I reckon the bunny's long gone. (laughs) Anyway, planning a holiday should be fun, but it seems to be increasingly complicated to book even the simplest break which is one reason why UK holidays are back in fashion. Some of the best value-for-money UK getaways are by coach. The ticket price covers fuel, parking, tolls, ferry crossings and, of course, you don't have to drive, taking much of the stress out of the journey. Having enjoyed a couple of coaching holidays, this woman, Sally, who does the Sally's Savers in Worcester News, said, I urge you to consider your comfort and pack a few additional extras, a blanket, pillow, airplugs, and plenty of drinks and snacks. If an overseas holiday is on the cards, 2023 brings one or two added frustrations. Passport Office and Border far- Force staff have strike action planned. And as many countries require three or even six months left on a passport, it's worth renewing early. Before booking anything, check for additional expenses, in particular visas. Tour operators are very unlikely to include these in a package. Although, to add to the confusion, some cruise ship destinations don't require visas, whilst others do. Read the small print Visas are expensive. Travel vaccines. Sadly, the days are gone when we can pop into the local surgery to top up on jabs for our foreign travel. Many surgeries no longer employ a travel nurse and pharmacies have taken on this important role. Most larger pharmacies offer guidance on what's required, though it's worth shopping round as prices can vary. Finally, COVID-19. Rules still apply. And some countries require proof of immunisation. The easiest way to get this is with a COVID pass, which is free of charge via the NHS app, not the NHS COVID app, which expires on April the 27th. Online, or by email, or by letter. Visit https slash slash bit dot L Y slash three big K big Y P O big E T for more information.
0: Oh, well read, thank you. Okay, thank you, Jane. We're going to move to some sport now. And as a token of the wonderful time of year when cricket starts, I'm going to read you a story about the Worcestershire captain Brett oliveira And the headline is Worried e- Worries Eased. That's in Thursday's newspaper. Pairs coach Alan Richardson has played down any concerns surrounding Brett Olivera's injury. Concerns that Brett Olivera may be out for an extended spell have been eased by Worcestershire head coach Alan Richardson. The Pairs captain had to retire hurt during the second innings of the county championship match with Gloucestershire last week. He took a blow to the lower arm while facing a bouncer from Gloucestershire's Marchant de Lange just before lunch on the final day. Afterwards, Richardson confirmed that the all-rounder had gone to hospital. He's okay. He went off to hospital and had an X-ray, and as it stands, it is all clear, he said. He is pretty shaken up at the moment, and it's a bit sore, but Brett is a very hard type of character, and it takes a lot for him to come off the field. A couple of days of icing it and getting some painkillers, and we'll see where he stands after that. The rain ended up saving Worcestershire on the final day, as the game was eventually abandoned due to the rain. Worcestershire was set a target of 301 with 84 overs to get them and went into lunch on the final day at 51 for four. Perhaps fortunately for them, the final two sessions were washed out. The weather seems to be a bit of a theme so far this year, said Richardson. I don't think we've played a game that hasn't been affected by the weather. You have to try and dodge the showers and it was frustrating, I guess much more so for Gloucestershire than us, if I'm honest. An up and down game? That would be an understatement. Bit of a roller coaster that first day, one of the longest days I've had in terms of cricket. It felt like we experienced all sorts of emotions through that, and fair play to Gloucestershire. We got our noses in front early on in the piece, and they fought back really well. The Pairs have a week off this week, and after the opening three games of the season, they've won one, drawn one, and lost one. They're back in action next week when they welcome Sussex to New Road, but Richardson admits the rest is a welcome one. We've played three games on the bounce. The guys have barely had a day off. They will have a couple of days to get away now, spend some time with the family, and then we will get right back into it.
2: Right. Uh, Story about the marathon. Runners from Worcestershire were among those to take on the London Marathon. Tens of thousands of people braved the rain to compete in what was expected to be the largest ever edition of the world famous race. Among them was Worcester resident Andy Radford is 56, who was looking to raise money for Blind Veterans UK in his first London Marathon. Speaking after crossing the finishing line, he said, well, I ran a personal best for a major in my first London in under four hours, so I'm very happy. Despite the showery weather, the support on the course and the camaraderie among the runners was memorable. I had family from across the UK to support and met a disproportionate number of fellow Worcester runners along the way. Joining him from the county was Steve Leefield, who many will know as the landlord of the Bell at Eckington. It was Steve's 11th London Marathon as he conquered the 26.2-mile course for Able Child Africa. It was, as always, a superb day. The crowds are amazing, runners supporting each other, he said. What a way to spend a drizzly Sunday. To date, I've raised £2,000 for Able Child Africa, helping disabled children in Africa receive an education. In total, 49,675 runners registered for this year's race, some 6,000 more than the previous record of 43,199 in 2019. Malvern was represented in London by care home manager, Megan Morgan. She was running on behalf of Great Ormond Street Hospital Children's Charity in honour of her godson, Daniel, who's four, who was treated at Great Ormond Street Hospital after being diagnosed with Wiscott aldrich syndrome when he was just 12 weeks old. I had an incredible day. Running it was actually better than I expected, but I'm feeling very sore now, said Megan. All the support was amazing and I'm so pleased I was able to see Daniel, Holly and family on Tower Bridge with a little sign they'd made. It was such a special moment. I'm so proud of myself. I did it. And all for a wonderful cause, very close to my heart.
1: And this is about a sport we don't often get, golf. A grandad has become what is believed to be the oldest golfer in Britain to get a hole in one at the age of 92 Pershaw resident Derek Jackson achieved the incredible feat on the sixth hole at Evesham Golf Course. The retired chartered accountant said he had. Oh, sorry. The retired chartered engineer, I beg his pardon, said he knew he had teed off a good shot from that 150 yard par three, but was left stunned when he found it had gone straight in the hole. And while most of the players can go their whole lives without getting a hole in one, this is Derek's second after he did the same 12 years ago. The dad of two, who also has three grandchildren, said, my first thought when it went in was, this is going to cost me a bottle of whiskey. That's the tradition at the club. You have to put a bottle of whiskey on the bar if you get a hole in one. So I thought this is going to be pricey around a golf. But it still feels really special to get a hole in one, even after doing it once before. It's nice to know I could be the oldest or one of the oldest to achieve a hole in one. I've tried to keep active and still enjoy my golf. He's been playing golf since 1957, previously sank an ace on a 160-yard par 3 at Rochdale Golf Course in Greater Manchester in 2011, aged 81. His latest triumph came during a round with friends on Monday, April 17th. Derek believes both achievements were 90% luck and 10% skill. I had been playing with two other friends on Monday and I knew it hit a good shot, but I thought it might be somewhere near the pin. But it was over the hill, so we didn't know it had gone in until we got nearer the green. I couldn't see my ball and one of my playing partners checked and shouted, it's gone in the hole. I couldn't believe it. It's a good feeling, definitely, and some golfers never get to experience it once, let alone twice.
0: Fantastic. Right, a bit more success now. This is Worcester Warriors women's rugby um, team. Because, as you may know, the Worcester Warriors main team is no more. But the women continue, and successfully, by the look of it, Karis Cox scored three of Worcester Warriors women's nine tries on Saturday as they beat Sale Sharks women 51-14 to at six ways in the Alliance Cup. After a rest through the opening round of the women's Six Nations, Warriors returned to six ways with a bang, as they romped to victory in their cup playoff clash. Worcester crossed four times in the first half, as tries from Evelyn Clark, Cox, and two from Carmen Tremelling saw them hold a healthy 29-7 to lead at the break. Charlotte Wright-Haley scored two either side of Cara Brinkat's score before Cox scored in the final minute to complete her hat-trick. I take it that's final minute. It says final day here, but that probably lacks a bit of immediacy. Final minute to complete her hat-trick, and she was beaming at full time. It feels amazing personally, but the girls have been working so hard on our attacking shape over the last couple of weeks, she said. We put in 100% effort throughout the 80 minutes, and that showed with the scoreboard, and represents how hard we've worked over the past few weeks. To hear our fans nice and loud throughout was absolutely incredible. They are our 24th member of the squad. Forwards coach Steve Halsey added... We've been working on Attacking Freedom over the last few weeks and you could see that in the tries we scored. It was great to put a performance like that on in front of our fans. Really good performance from the squad, which included some debutantes as well. Mm.
2: Mm. More than 800 students and 150 budding volunteers from 52 schools across Worcestershire took part in annual spring games, inspiring youngsters to be active. Worcestershire Spring School Games, organised by Active Herefordshire and Worcestershire, saw children from, from 14 to, four to fourteen battle it out to be crowned champion in six different sports. Ensuring there was something for everyone, children and young people were also encouraged to attend the event's cultural village. Inspired by major sporting events this year, such as the Women's FIFA World Cup, the Cultural Village held nine activities for everyone to get involved in and learn a new skill, from bangra dancing to circus acts. Kicking off the Games in Style, a group of five dancers from Wolverley High School took to the stage at the opening ceremony with an empowering dance, followed by Scott Smith, chair of the Worcestershire County Alliance, who awarded two schools their primary PE and sport premium awards seven stars player grace namana and captain gabby marshall were also in attendance aiming to inspire children talk about embracing the game's values and provide encouragement in their activities the event was supported by a team of 150 volunteers from five worcestershire schools and the university of worcester budding journalists officials and coaches spent their day developing leadership and other transferable life skills Stephen Brewster, Chief Executive Officer at Active, Herefordshire and Worcestershire, said events like the school games are a brilliant opportunity to showcase a range of sports and activities for children and young people. We understand the importance of creating positive experiences for our young people to ensure a lifelong habit of physical activity. Looking around at the hundreds of smiling faces here today shows what can be possible working in partnership with our local community organisations. Central to the Games are the six values of determination, passion, honesty, self-belief, teamwork
1: and respect. And now about Worcester Warriors. Um, The Atlas Consortium Group are now in a race against time to complete the sale of Worcester Warriors. Administrators Begby's trainer have published their progress report de- detailing information about their work since they were appointed back in September 2022. In that report, it states the terms of the sale agreement require Atlas to complete the transaction by May 2, 2023, which gives Atlas seven days from Tuesday, April twenty-fifth, to get the deal done. The 27-page document confirms that Atlas were appointed on February 1st, 2023, when they paid an exclusivity fee of £500,000 as a non-refundable deposit, which triggered the start of the 90-day completion period. Since then... Atlas have withdrawn their application to compete in next season's championship, the 23-24 competition, due to not being able to agree terms with the RFU over their return. And as a result, they've revealed their plans to bring local side Stourbridge to Six Ways to play under the name of Worcester Warriors in the Midlands 1 division, Level 5, from next season onwards, as well as bringing former Premiershire club wasps to the stadium as tenants. The news surrounding wasps remains unconfirmed and recent reports state they themselves are running out of time to compete in the championship next season. The RFU said only last month that Worcester Warriors would have to start from level 10 if they wanted to come back into the league system, not level 5 that Atlas wanted. Director Jim O'Toole responded to that news by saying he saw no reason why the Warriors would have to drop down to that level and he was confident they would return at level five. But now, with only a week to go until the deadline, there remains question marks over whether Atlas can get one the deal done in time. And there's no reference in the report as to what will happen if that deadline is not met. But the wording in the report said completion is due on or prior to may the 22nd which might suggest potential flexibility on that date the worcester news has understood that any time frame on the completion was potentially movable and that extensions could be applied
0: thank you jane well let's hope there's a happy solution to that okay that concludes our reading of the stories for this week Um, Sunrise and sunset times. I researched this for Saturday, where sunrise is at 43 minutes past five and sunset at just turned half past eight. Birthdays. We've got one uh, today as we record this on Thursday, which is the book, the birthday of Marjorie Hughes. So many happy returns to you, Marjorie. And two towards the end of next week, Marilyn Kendall on the 6th, and Evelyn Stevens on the seventh. All our good regards to you. If we've missed your birthday, then Happy returns to you, and do let us know so that we can include it on the birthday file. Okay, let's end with thought for the week, Jane.
1: This is taken from John 20, verses 26 to 29. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed.
0: Well that brings us to the end of this week's recording Um, apart from the fact that of course we will read the obituaries after the concluding music. I'd like to thank tonight's readers Jane and Catherine and Jean Plus our sound engineer and thank you too for sharing your time with us and wish you a good week ahead. So it's goodbye from Catherine. Goodbye. And Jane. Goodbye. And me, Phil. Goodbye.
2: Pamela Bowles Passed away on the 1st of April, aged 76 years. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, the 3rd of May at 1045. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for St. Richard's Hospice. They may be left on the collection plate at the Crematorium or sent to E. J. Gummery and Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. <coughs> Lynn Harris sadly passed away on the sixth of April aged seventy-nine. The funeral service will be on Friday the third of May at St. Nicholas Church Droitwich at 215, followed by a cremation at Worcester. Family Flowers only, please, with donations for the Alzheimer's Society. Michelle Lamb passed away on the sixth of April, aged fifty-eight. The funeral service will be at the Vale Crematorium, Flagbury, on Wednesday the 10th of May at 3pm. Family flowers only, but donations may be made to the PDSA at Malvern Co-op Funeral Care, or the collection at the service. Clarice Lippert passed away on the 31st of March, aged 89. The funeral service will be on Friday the 12th of May, at Worcester Crematorium at 11:30 a.m. Family flowers only with donations for Dementia UK. Joyce Davies passed away and left us 13th of April. The funeral will be at Torquay Crematorium on the 17th of May at
1: 2:45. Ashington Patricia Jean Pat passed away on April the 8th. 2,023, aged 82. Funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Monday, May the 15th at 12 noon. Family flowers only. Donations in Patricia's memory are invited for breast cancer now. These may be sent to E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR101HZ. Finch, Cynthia Mary, formerly of Woodstow Bosch. Passed away on fifth of April, two thousand and twenty-three, aged seventy-three years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday, the second of May, at ten a.m. Family flowers only, please. But donations, if desired, for Red Hill Activities Fund. Please make checks payable to E.J. Gummery Donations Account. May be left on the con- collection plate at the crematorium. Or sent to EJ Gummery and Son, 68 to 70, Ombersley Road, Worcester. Worcester WR three seven EU. Kite, Gordon Richard, passed away on april nineteenth, twenty twenty-three, aged ninety. A funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on Thursday, may the fourth, at ten AM. Family Flowers only Donations in Gordon's memory are invited for Dementia UK. These may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw. WR 1 HZ
0: Patricia Michael, known as Pat, passed away on Tuesday the eleventh of April. The funeral service will take place at the Vale Crematorium Fladbury on Thursday the fourth of may at one PM. Flowers are welcome. Donations if desired to the charity Mind, that's M I N D. Family have requested informal attire, no black. All friends are welcome, and the undertaking services are being done by George Crump and Son, 773339. Philomena's estate passed away on the 9th of April. The funeral service will take place at Saint George's Roman Catholic Church on Thursday, the fourth of May, at twelve thirty. Followed by a family committal at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only please with donations to Mind Mental Health Charity, sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, St. John's, Worcester, WR25BT, and the telephone number for that is 01905 74 8811. By family request, bright colours to be worn. Terry Tippin passed away on the 3rd of April, uh, and there were no further details on that one. Angela Mary Clark died on the 6th of April. A funeral will be held on the 2nd of May at 11am, followed by a private cremation, and the funeral will take place at Worcester Cathedral. For catering after funeral, if you can come, please email Angela Clark. May that I'll read this out, it's a bit complex. Angela Clark is capital A and then capital C, and the Clark has an E on the end, dot May with a small m, 2nd. Dot at gmail.com Raymond Edward Gillard passed away on the 9th of April funeral service to be held on Monday the 15th of May at 2pm at the Vale Crematorium family flowers only please donations if desired to St Michael's Hospice in Hereford all inquiries to Holland Funeral Directors and their telephone number is 01684 575343 And lastly, Val McGreeves, known as Val, passed away on the 3rd of April. The funeral service will take place at the Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, the 3rd of May at 10am. Please send all floral tributes to the co-op Funeral Care Worcester. Donations, if so desired, will be gratefully received for Regent House Care Home.